If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome everybody, it's episode 315 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by Andy Stevenson to look back at a huge week in the world of mixed martial arts. Graham is away, he'll be back uh, this week and and, and next week as well, but uh, he's away for this week, so I'm joined today by Andy. And we have lots to talk about, three big cards, uh, including two title fights and a Nathan Diaz fight uh, on uh, on Saturday night, which were... uh, which was a long night. Let's not lie. Anyone listen to listen to this in the UK and Ireland who stayed up for this card was uh, it wasn't an easy night, and you know Friday night wasn't an easy night, Thursday night wasn't an easy night. But there's lots to unpack from it and lots to talk about. But before we do that, we have to talk about Father's Day next week because Father's Day is just around the corner. And Nathan says, "I love you, Dad, more than a world class trimmer for his balls." You heard that right. The Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped is the best body hair trimmer on the market. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels, and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. And I know, actually, I still don't have, I'm down in the man cave now again. I don't have my Manscaped down here. I must bring it down. I, I left it, I, have, I kind of have two studios now, but uh, I don't have my Manscaped down here. But I would normally buzz it at this time because it's so fantastic. I honestly, I think I've, I've had that Manscaped now for like eight months and I genuinely think I have only, um, I've only charged it once. That's how good it is. But Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to blow the waist grooming and just launched a prefer, uh, performance package, which is the perfect gift for your dad this upcoming Father's Day. Imagine surprising your dad with the ultimate men's hygiene package that says your balls will thank you on the box. And it, it actually does. Have you ever seen a nose bush sticking out of your dad's nose? Well, included in his new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary uh, dual blade system look guys 79% of partners admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff why not hook your dad up with the best tools for the job here the bundle includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer because their skin safe technology uh, this is the best trimmer on the market for your balls butt and body the trimmer comes with an led light and is waterproof so you can trim in the shower this is perfect trimmer for someone who likes to travel let's not forget about the famous liquid formulations crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine get the perfect um get to see get the performance but easy for me to say performance package now to receive their two free gifts the manscaped boxers and the travel shed bag i'm actually going away in a couple of weeks so i'll be able to use the travel shed bag uh for uh <laughs> for the first time in like two years uh the performance package is the best value that manscaped has to offer and it's hot off the shelf so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com get your dad a gift you know they will use that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code severe mma s-e-v-e-r-e-m-m-a don't forget that you came from your dad's balls this year show your original home some love with manscaped right andy uh, last night, Israel Adesanya, Marvin Vittori, Brandon Moreno, Davidson Figueredo, Leon Edwards, Nathan Diaz, and the rest. It was it was a pretty eventful night, a long night. Definitely not gonna lie, definitely a long night, definitely an eventful night. But overall, I think look, I think coming into this card, we were looking at it, and the reason why it was such a big card on paper, at least, was. The, you know, myself and Graham talk about it a lot, an awful lot recently and use the word jeopardy an awful lot. There, there isn't much of that uh, or as much of that on uh, UFC cards as there once was. And there was plenty of jeopardy on this and plenty of moving to be done. 
and I think there was, you know, I think obviously with the main event, Adesanya uh, moved on to another title defense. Brandon Moreno moved on to, to become the champion. Leon Edwards moved on to probably the number one contender. Bilal Muhammad moved on in his career as did Paul Craig. But it was it may, maybe not the most exciting night in the world, but it was an eventful one, wasn't it? And it was one where uh, things happened and things moved. Yeah, I thought it was a great card. Um it's it's rare these days. I've been a bit MIA from uh, MMA a little bit watching it. Um, but th- this was one of those cards where it was kind of must-watch TV. Nate Diaz, as always, must-watch TV. But I thought it was a, a very good card. But I, c- I can't believe you're burying the lead here. Go on. The, the robbery of Marvin Vittori. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he, has he come out and said something? I haven't seen the first point press conference. His, his hand up. Ready to be called the champion. <laughs> yeah, well, ah, uh, well, <laughs> Nate Diaz didn't deserve it. Or look, these things happen to them. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's like I <laughs> watching Israel Adesanya. Like he was clearly just fucking levels above Marvin Vittori. Yeah. Um, but he just he fights. I I always find, and I I find that it's it's there's certain fighters, um, and Israel Adesanya is one of them where there is always jeopardy and I think it's because of his fighting style like when you see him mm. kind of leaning back you know so kind of Anderson Silva you know head back and you're kind of waiting you're, you're thinking okay he's absolutely schooling Marvin Vittori here but if he connects with one straight right down the middle he could put him out uh, but he just never got close to it even yeah. um, so I think like I, I always find when, I, when I'm watching Adesanya it's he's so skillful but he leaves himself open to to getting caught uh, but he's just uh, most of the time it works out for him so I'm always a little bit on edge kind of when I'm watching him when he's you know he has that kind of beautiful head movement up against the cage and things like that uh, I'm always a bit a bit kind of on edge just thinking okay well what if he gets cracked here his hands are down but uh, he's just so good that he doesn't that's actually a great point to be honest because I was, I was watching that fight last night and there was I, I didn't really kind of say that to myself until you just said it there you know I, there there is that like there is that bit of jeopardy with him now the, the problem with last night as you hit in there as well I think he was just too good for Vittori and too quick and you know his movement just was too good and also a big part of it as well Marvin Vittori not the biggest hitter in the world so when he's fighting someone like a Romero or even a Costa who I think is is a less skilled guy even than Vittori to be honest there is a bit more of that jeopardy in it I would feel like um but the, I think a big problem for Adesanya in that division is you have Robert Whitaker next who I think is the clear number two in the division art you know if, if he beats him and then goes to the trilogy maybe it could be it could be a case of who is the best but now that uh Izzy has beaten him and the middleweight division is just really bad. It's like really, it's the worst division in the UFC and men's division anyway. I think uh, you could take women's one forty-five and with the two people in it and maybe put it above it. But it's uh, it's a division where it's it's without a shadow of a doubt the most top-heavy division, especially with John Jones uh, seemingly gone out of out of two or five. But when that does happen, you like the the one great thing for Adesanya is. He will, uh, sometimes you have fights, right? Let, let's say, uh, I don't know, a fight, um, um, uh, who'd let, pick out any random champion, right? And they beat all the challengers and they come up against, like Chris Carriasso versus Demetrius Johnson back in the day made Demetrius look really good because he was beating someone like really bad, basically, you know? Uh, or not really bad, but not as good as, the, as you'd expect. Israel Adesanya is having guys as number one contenders who are not as good as you would expect to be for the best in the world. So he's styling on these guys that are the ones that should be giving him the uh, the biggest challenges of anyone. And it's just, he's just making it easy. And he's, look, he's even did that, did that to Whitaker, who is a very, very good guy. But I feel like the likes of Vittori, the likes of Costa, are just not on the level of someone like Adesanya. And look, it tells a lot about Jan Blahovic as well, who's a very, very good fighter. But there's no doubt about... Izzy's quality, as you said there, he does get drawn in sometimes to the level of his opponents um, and get drawn into the game of his opponent at times. But when you are, uh, when the, the game of your opponent is basically to bull forward and throw big shots at you, that's perfect for Adesanya, you know. But I, I uh, one adjustment that I thought I'd be interested to hear what you think because, like, having gone back and watched the first fight, um, 
Marvin Vittori was bullying forward a lot more and he did it at times in this fight and I think when he realised what he was doing was not working right but he, he got a few takedowns early I thought the smartest thing he did in the whole fight was trying to counter the leg kicks with takedowns and he did it well a couple of times but the problem was the, the takedown and the 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 game to prey on moments against Izzy to take him down worked very very well but he didn't, obviously, what he did on top and holding Izzy down didn't go so well. But I think the biggest issue for Vittori was his inability to do anything on the feet. His inability to find a right performance, to find the tactics on the feet that would give Adesanya any bit of trouble. To me, and maybe disagree with this, but I thought he fought him at a kickboxing range. I thought he fought him a step inside of where he fought him the last time and a step outside of where he fought him the last time as well. So all the way out and all the way in, you hear it often. He wasn't. He was fighting him as a kickboxer and when you fight Adesanya in that kickboxing range, it's it's trouble. What what did you think of, uh, of Vittori's performance here and, and the, the fight overall? <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was very disappointing. I thought that um, really Adesanya beat him in every single area. Like even even when he was getting taken down, he was landing big elbows. He was you know immediately getting to his feet. He, he rolled out of one um, one position and went straight back up to his feet. Like he, he looked like he had kind of he had learned from that Jan Blachowicz fight, um, and he was determined that not, that's that wasn't going to happen again. Now, obviously, I, I don't think I wouldn't put Marvin Vittori on the same level as Jan Blachowicz even. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought Adesanya was was levels above. It was like a Matador playing with the bull. Um, it was like it, it, there was a, um, a an element of frustration from the get go, really, with with Vittori. I thought that you know, even even at the end of the first round, it was as if he was four rounds down and just desperate for for something. Um, it was it was desperation mode from from the very beginning of the fight is what it looked like to me. Um, and yeah, like he he really offered he offered nothing um if we're being honest here like he yeah. he really offered nothing he was Adesanya just played with him and okay you know there were times where Vittoria would, would land a few kind of big shots but it would, they never really troubled Adesanya and he was able to just um I wouldn't say tee off like, he wasn't really teeing off he was just he was kind of he was just he was playing with his food is what it looked like to me for the entire fight it, that's very true and I think one part of that which I, I, I don't know if it's I've kind of come up with this idea myself and I don't know if it's true or not but in the first fight um, Adesanya was kicking the inside leg an awful lot to stop Vittori from coming inside and this time he was kicking the outside of the leg a lot and I feel like okay that was to do with the range of which Vittori was fighting in but I also think it was to do with the tactics of Vittori and wanting to actually draw Vittori in, wanting Vittori to come onto him and come into his range so that he could counter him inside even better, move that head, get out and land the shots on the outside. And I think that's exactly what happened. Um, and that to me is exactly what you were talking about there, kind of playing with your prey a little bit and just fighting in such a way that you're hurting a guy really badly while also drawn him into an area which he really doesn't want to be if you like if you if you look through the, the first couple of rounds like my notes here leg kicks Mar marvin took him down from the calf kick <clears throat> is he just managed to get to the cage and then there was just more leg kicks you know there was just more leg kicks all the time they never stopped he landed a couple of head kicks the second was a little better from from marvin uh izzy was landing harder though. i thought what i thought Izzy did very well in this fight was get away from the fainting a little bit more and start landing you know that was the problem against Blahovich. i suppose it's a very basic and easy thing to say but throw more shots like throw a few more I, shots i completely agree because mm. I, I, I was even thinking that the first round like <laughs> well well adesanya completely dominated him and it was completely you know at such a higher level in skill i was thinking in the first round are we going to see a similar kind of performance from Adesanya in the Blahovich fight, which was a lot of fainting. And yeah. it's all well, like you can be as skillful as you want, but if someone cracks you with a, a right hand down the pipe and puts you down or or takes you down and lays on you, all the skill, all the, the head feints, all the kind of beautiful striking uh, fluidity is for nothing. Like you can be, you can be as skillful as you want, but if you get, if you get, you know, out, out, um, damaged, as yeah. I'll use that as a verb. I like um, it. I like that. If you get out damaged, then, 
you lose. So, you, you know, your skill is all just, and it's, it's all for exhibition. It's not for actual purpose at the end of the day then, but that's not what we saw last night. No. Um, and yeah, I think like he completely butchered up um, his leg and it was, you know, Vittori just didn't know what to do because every time he, he seemed to just kind of try, on occasion would kind of try and come straight forward but Adesanya would literally just slip and counter with that lovely you know he kind of slips to the right and then like lands a beautiful uppercut every yeah, time and then when when Vittori kind of pressed him against the cage he uh, I'm no I'm no uh, technical wizard here but I think he like frames him and then kind of just like slides out to the right lands a shot and then and then away we go again resetting um, it was just masterful work really yeah, and even like in the third round when Vittori did get that takedown and landed probably his best ground bound of the whole fight and in in an arrange or in an arrange in the fight even or a time in the fight where you may be expecting Adesanya to get a little bit tired or if the tide is turning, this would be it. Adesanya managed to get to the cage, he got back up and there was that bit of an eye poke as well, which gave him a bit of a rest, which, you know, probably helped him a bit. And there was the kick in the balls as well. But Izzy was just styling on him after that in that third round, and he got the knockdown with the leg kicks and that. And, like, from, from that point on, I think uh, it wasn't that Vittori had the fight beat out of him, but I just think from that point on, he kind of realized he couldn't win. And Izzy just yeah. destroyed him in the fourth. And that fifth round, very little happened. So it was... What did, what did you think of the court? I, I wasn't very impressed with the court. I, I don't think it would have helped now, but I don't think it wasn't too impressed with the corner work for Vittori like they just kind of seem to be willing him on be like come on like this to do this for Italy kind of stuff and it's like well like he's getting beaten from pillar to posts and in every department so he needs some sort of guidance here like what what's he got to change like because there was no it was just the same thing for five rounds pretty much like there was no adjustments at all in the fight from Vittori sometimes and that's that's a very good a very good call because that was something I was thinking at the time so sometimes right it's easy for us to talk about a fight before right and come up with a game plan and say this is what this guy needs to do to beat this guy but sometimes we forget that these guys some sometimes they just don't have the skill set to do it or they don't have the ability to do it they don't have the speed they don't have the power to do it and I just think that was the problem with Vittori what could he do against that and look he managed to get three or four takedowns in the fight well yeah true i'd say probably around that and it, it did made no difference you know you would think if that's the way if he's going to win the fight that's the way to do it you need to get those three or four takedowns uh you know wear out adesanya a little bit win it that way and he did that but he still didn't win and he in fact he lost every single round so like at that point your technical game plan your um your your uh, tactics are failed you know and that was your plan A. And I don't think there is a great plan B when you're in, against Adesanya. And I suppose that plan B for them was to motivate him to go forward, land a big shot and knock him out. Which, look, uh, sometimes we we strive and we really want the technical analysis from the corner and to them to say something smart. But when it is with someone like Vittori, I don't know, is it the worst thing in the world just to try to G him up to, like, go forward and go insane and lose the head a little bit? Yeah, maybe, go full Hulk mode. Yeah, maybe maybe that was his best way of winning the fight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Vittori kind of reminds me of the, the the little dickhead from Toy Story. What's the name? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really watched much Toy Is it not Andy, the other lad? Anyway. Yeah. He reminds me of the young baldy lad from This Is England. You know, he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's too many fingers and stuff. Yeah, but uh, look, a great performance anyway from from Adesanya. Yeah. And, it is uh, like the middleweight division really does seem to need Darren Till to rise to the top here now because. Uh, it's it's slim pickings for Izzy at the moment. Um, I, I think Izzy has been smart though, hasn't he, to realise that the middleweight division is kind of slim pickings and start talking about lads like Darren Till or even Uriah yeah. Hall as well. And look, I, I suppose everyone wants to see the Robert Whitaker rematch. Now. Uriah Hall m- m- match could be a fun one. Yeah, um, I, I, I think you know, he win it, but it will be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. it could be entertaining at least. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that. Um, all right, um, Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figueredo. Look, this is a fight where my analysis of it is probably a little bit unfair to the new champion. And we will talk about the new champion in a, in a second because he did a great job. But to me, I have never seen, well, maybe not never, but in a long time, I don't think I've seen such a clear um, fight where one guy is absolutely in bits in there. He looks drained from a weight cut. He looked drained from a weight cut from the press conference to the weigh-ins to the fight. 
And this was not the real Davidson Figueredo. We've seen the real Davidson Figueredo fight before. And he looks absolutely fantastic. He looks like a killer. I, like I, I always say that um, he's like a heavyweight fighting at flyweight. <clears throat> and this was not that guy. This was absolutely not that guy. Now, take nothing away from Reno. He went in and beat what he could. And Figueredo's still dangerous, you know. He almost caught him a couple of times, but... I don't know. I didn't. I haven't heard many people saying it, and I don't know if I'm out on an island on myself and it's just me in my own head. But what did you think of Figueroa? I just thought he looked absolutely awful all week, and that translated over to the fight. Yeah, I I think both can be true. Like I think that that you know Davis and Figueroa probably wasn't at his best, but you know Brandon Moreno showed up and he was at his very best. I think like when I was watching the fight, I was thinking in the first round. It, it was kind of reminiscent of one of the, I can't remember which one it was, but the Benavidez fight, at where, but this time Figueredo was the, on the other side of it. You know, he was yeah. just kind of getting punched around and, and didn't really look like he, you know, he was kind of swing coming in, swinging wildly and, and with these kind of big haymakers, but they weren't, it just wasn't working for him. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, in round two, you know, he was kind of, he was, he was on, uh, in bottom position and he was landing some nice elbows and things like that, but he, he just kind of looked a bit, it all looked a bit labored. Like he looked like he was kind of showing up to just to, just to show up and kind of get his night work done and get through the fight rather than, you know, showing up for a world title, uh, which is what you, you know, you need to be in, <laughs> you're fighting for a world title. You need to be top of your game. Yeah. Um, and, and, all credit to Brandon Moreno he came out like jeez he just he came out uh, just with everything with everything it was it was he it was you could see in the emotion afterwards that this meant everything to him this was i know they fought for for the title in the, in both their last fights but it seemed like this was his his real title fight this was his you know star making performance it was you know we saw how much it meant to him afterwards and and he fought like that he fought like he was coming with absolutely everything um and he, he blew through Figueredo. Yeah. I and like I I would agree with everything you said. Like I think if it was the hundred percent Figueredo in there against this Moreno, I think it would have been a close fight. You know, I d I don't think necessarily just because Figueredo looked bad, that means he would have won this fight. Because there we saw in the first fight there is ways to get to Figueredo. Um and I thought Brandon Moreno, like to me, Brandon Moreno just looked like more of an athlete in this fight than he has ever before. And I wonder is that because you know maybe he got an extra bit of money, obviously for the for the title fight the last time he was able maybe to prepare a little bit more, put an extra bit into strength and conditioning or something like that. He just looked, he looked, he looked a champion. You know, as simple as that. He just looked the champion in there. I thought he looked absolutely fantastic. And as you said, from minute one, <clears throat> he came out and he was just like throwing with. It was. It was not a reckless abandon, but it was. Uh, that's the completely wrong phrase. But he was thrown with um, a calm kind of abandon that you would want to throw with when you're a flyweight, especially you know because <laughs> and fighting Davidson Figueroa and doing it more than him. That's exactly what Figueroa is known for and what he's brilliant at. And doing it more than him is is some feat. Moreno looked. He just looked slick and calm and brilliant very very early and i think figueredo he struggled with that because moreno his ability to land and even when he kind of dropped him there towards the end of the first round i think that yeah, was, it was a with sign, the jab wasn't it yeah that was that was a sign that look figueredo is not able to take the shots and moreno is able to put him out i, I thought the second round i thought figueredo won that round you know he was landing some shots on the feet and he cut or maybe not cut but gave that big mouse to moreno from the bottom landing some elbows on the bottom but it was a, look it was a close round i think one judge gave it to figueredo and i think two gave it to moreno but it mattered not because of the third round like on the ground, you're, when Figueredo gets his back taken, you're kind of not expecting him to be choked out. You know, you're expecting to turn it around and land some big ground and mode and elbows and maybe get the back himself or get into a scramble. But it just looked like he was defeated in that position as well to me. You know, yeah. maybe I'm reading into I, it too I much. The com- I, I, not one to give the commentary uh, team too much praise, but uh, I thought they they called it perfectly there. Like once yeah. he got that body lock, it was that, that was all she wrote. Really, I know. Like it, it took a few attempts to actually cinch it in, but. Um, I think I thought it was all over once he had that. Um, yeah, and like, it was a real like coming of age performance for Brandon Moreno. Like he's only what twenty seven. Um, I was looking there like to me like okay, 
um, Davison Figueroa is 33. It's probably probably nothing to do with his age or anything like that. But I would say that you know, the weight could have to have affected him. But um, the real story here is definitely Brandon Moreno. Like what a what a story to be. I think he was like the last seed in tough when he yeah. was on was on the show. Then he got cut by the UFC in 2018. Came back and now he's the champion. Like that's that's the that's a a dream story uh, for a fighter. Yeah, he it really is. It's like and and you know he's the first ever. Uh, Mexican UFC champion as well which you know Dana White said in the press conference before if you win this fight on Saturday night you're going to blow up in Mexico and he really could you know the, the Mexicans are a little bit like the, you know people used to say the Mexicans are like Irish with a bit of sun I think you know they get behind <laughs> their guy and uh, they will support him as well and you could see there was a lot of I don't know is Arizona is it near Mexico there was a lot seemed to be yeah, a lot it's of Mexicans the border, yeah. yeah there seemed to be a lot of Mexicans there anyway and there was a lot of cheering going on for, uh, for Brandon Moreno and uh he could like he could be a star. It's it's the uh, I've uh, the the hashtag fly never die is still going around, but it's such a great division. Like you can't you can't say a bad word. I think about the flyweight division. It's we've had some absolute classic fights and classic performances coming from you know Demetrius Johnson all the way up to to last night. It's been such a great division. And the fact that the UFC tried to get rid of it one stage is. It to me is is horrendous, but anyway, it's it's still there. Yeah, and there's so uh, many fun fights as well, like Askar Askarov. Yeah. Like there's there's a ton of fighters that you can match him up against with as well. I, I'd be interested to see what Figueroa does. I, for me, I think it'll be his last fight at 125. I just think he looked defeated before the fight even happened last night in terms of like his ability to contest about at 125. He just looked he looked out of it to be honest for all week and. Um, it, look, it was a good pa- passing of the torch fight because he he made Moreno look good on his way out. I think maybe more than anything else. But I'd like to see Figueroa one thirty five with an Wouldn't extra. Wouldn't mind seeing Figueroa versus Aldo if he does jump up. Yeah, geez, that's a good fighter. Figueroa versus you know someone like a Frankie Edgar or uh, Cody Garbrandt. Even I think that'd be a fun fight. But uh, yeah, there's there's lots of fun fights for him up at one thirty five, and uh, hopefully I look forward to him there. And as you mentioned, I think Moreno versus Askar Askarov is probably the fight to to make if Figueroa stays at one thirty five. Maybe he has a chance at a third one, but I don't know. After a draw and a loss, maybe not. But um, yeah. Look, I'm looking. F- I'm really looking forward to seeing both these guys uh, and what they have to do next. Because I'm a, I'm a big fan of both of them. I think they're, uh, they're very, very good. So, um, I suppose let's talk about Leon Edwards versus Nathan Diaz. It was what? Two or nine? What? What? Um, Stockton. I, I, I still don't understand why Nathan Diaz. <laughs> Like, to be honest, I've been saying it for the last fucking three months. But, uh, yeah. Only Nate Diaz can get absolutely battered for four and a half rounds and come out uh, the, the come winner. Out the champion. <laughs> but in fairness, in fair, he nearly did win. There's no doubt about that. Okay, we can joke about Nate coming out the winner, even though he, he got absolutely destroyed in, what, 49, 46 across the board. But there was a, a very, very real possibility there for about, 55 seconds that Nathan Diaz would not need the judges and that he almost finished Leon Edwards and it was it was one of those where like you're watching it was like no no is, is he is he gonna do it is he it was like watching a fucking horror movie or something it was oh it was it was insane and and in a good way he, he like, vindicated oh. every single Nate every single Nate Diaz <laughs> fan who would say you know the, the Diaz rounds rounds four and five and he was right yeah, like he he, he he put it best himself in the in the post fight press conference he goes in a real fight in the real world that fight's a wrap mm-hmm. and he, he said that uh that Leon Edwards was sleepwalking which I thought was a brilliant line yeah, and it also, do you know what it gives the Diaz fans who are like, he has him where he wants him after round three, which I tweeted, and then he almost won. But it also makes them look back at the Masvidal fight now and go, well, if that fight wasn't stopped, Nate Diaz probably would have done what he did to Leon Edwards. But Masvidal isn't as good as Leon Edwards and doesn't have as good of a gas tank as Leon Edwards and <laughs> would be able to, yeah. wouldn't be able to get through it. And Nate I saw someone online saying that Diaz should only fight 10 round fights from now on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know what I'd be able to stay awake for all of them, but there's just too many rounds last night, but that's a, that's a under the bed but look i suppose we have to it's one of those fights where a lot you know some people were saying like oh this is the fight to put leon edwards over you know this is going to get him to the next level and it makes all the sense in the world because you can get the shine from nate diaz but the weird thing about it was even though he destroyed him and beat him over four and a half rounds it feels like leon edwards is almost a secondary story coming out of the fight just because like i saw even the, like the barstool lads tweeting about it last night he's like no one can lose a fight like nate diaz and still everyone comes out a fan of his and it's like fuck it it's true like <laughs> it's true 
And like, no one was tweeting about Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards just destroyed this guy for four and a half rounds. Absolutely styled on him, destroyed his face. And even like, even in the commentary, Joe Rogan is like talking about uh, Nate Diaz giving Andre Ward trouble as his face is absolutely fucking battered and bloody all about four or five different cuts in his face. It was, it oh like. It's a weird one because any normal fighter, any normal fight, we would be like, oh, he almost got him in the end, but he didn't. And a great performance. And we will talk about Leon Edwards' performance in a second. But the, the Diaz brothers and Nate especially these days, it's just a bit different. Nate is just his own rules kind of to these fights, isn't he? He just does what he wants. Um, he, like, he, he's Nate Diaz. Like, there, there are no rules for Nate Diaz. He shows up. He he is the main event, even when he's a third fight on the car or for a third fight down. <laughs> like it's it's the it's the Diaz show, um, but yeah, like he, it, it was the per- I think it was the perfect um, pro- the perfect way to end the fight. Well, obviously after the first four rounds, but like it, you know, it it the wins and losses don't matter for Nate Diaz. Once you can do that in the fifth round, you have all you have the fan base completely rabid for you, and now everyone's thinking, okay, who who's Diaz going to fight next? Like. Had had we not seen that in the last minute of the fifth round, I would have come away from that fight thinking, you know, Nate Diaz is always fun to watch, but like he's nowhere near the top. But then he goes and just fucking puts Leon Edwards on <laughs> roller skates, and you're thinking, well, hang on now, <laughs> hang on now, who do we want to see next? Like the best part I, I don't of know, the I don't know who you put. Like I, I think the. Yeah, McGregor winner than McGregor Poirier would be a good fight. Well, I don't know what the winner of that, but like I think what it does open up is, it, I feel like if Nate had just lost this without uh, without a whimper, you know, the, even the the thought of the Mc, the McGregor trilogy or say a fight in Masvidal again or someone like that would have been look we would have seen it we would have watched it by the time it came around, but it would have been like a, talking about it today would have been a little bit like. Eh. But now I think it's like everyone's like, well, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing the Masvidal fight again. I, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't mind seeing the McGregor trilogy. And uh, I think that's what last night achieved for him more than anything else. But if you look at the fight overall in the in the overall picture, like from from Ian Edwards' point of view, and and from purely his point of view, and not looking at it from like the point of view of how the fight went or how we analyze it afterwards. It was uh, it was a very good performance for for the most part. He came out and tactically, I think he was doing exactly what you need to do. Nick turning his back at the start of the fight, and he was just like kicking his leg. He, um, Leon bitten it at the very start, but then he kind of stopped. Um, there was as I mentioned those leg kicks. He got the fight to the ground, took the back. There was a bit of ground and pound. Nate was turning his back again. Big power strikes, I thought, from Edwards towards the second. He kicked him up the arse as well at one stage. Then he got caught up and in the third at the elbow. Edwards absolutely smashing him in the fourth. But then Edwards, I don't know, it wasn't necessarily that he slowed down, but I think he kind of. He didn't want to put himself in any peril uh, towards the end of the fight, and he, he did. I, like, I thought actually one thing, and I don't know whether you're, uh, whether you'd agree or not, but I thought Nate came out with, like, a way more um, power-heavy game plan than he usually does. I don't think he was coming out there to to kind of strike or to out-technique uh, Leon Edwards. I don't think he was trying to jab on him much or anything like that. Um I, I thought he was trying to knock him out from the from the very start and look for big opportunities to knock him out. And I don't know if that was uh, that was his tactic and that's what he saw. But I, that's what I saw in the fight anyway. And uh, it was uh, it didn't work obviously. But from Leon Edwards' point of view, what did you think of the performance from Leon Edwards? Do you think he like do you think he'll get a title shot because of this and and he will get a bit of the Nate Diaz shine I suppose coming out of it? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, let's start with the title shot. So. I don't know. I don't know if he gets the title shot. It, it's so, it's it's really, it's so shit for Leon Edwards because mm. he looked incredible for four and a half rounds. And like Leon Edwards fights in a way that I think most fighters should fight in MMA where he's so technically proficient, but, you, you know, he, he's not going in there to have an absolute war. He's going in there to inflict a lot of damage. Like he has those, those you know, kind of slicing elbows and he, he puts it on his opponents, but he's not in there to just stand and bang. He's in there to, to get in there, inflict as much pain on his opponents as possible, but but receive as little damage as he can. Um, and find, like I, when I think of Leon Edwards, I just think of efficiency. Like his, the way yeah, he moves, he, well, yeah. he glides around the cage in and out of range, you know, peppering his opponent, landing a big shot and then getting out of the way. Um, and had he finished that fight 
you know, 50-45, win the fifth round. That's a That was a flawless performance by him. Mm. But because he didn't, he didn't, because Diaz had that big moment where, you know, that was the most damaging shot of the fight. It just takes away from it a little bit when it, it really shouldn't because it, like, it shouldn't be overlooked just how good Leon Edwards was and, and how good he is. But when you see him getting cracked by Nate Diaz like that, my mind immediately went to, okay, Kamara Usman, you, you know, I think, having watched that fifth round, I think Kamara Usman stops Leon Edwards. Mm-hmm. Had, had, I, had I seen Leon Edwards, you know, finish it out the way he did, I would think, wow, this is a really, really intriguing matchup, a really intriguing rematch where both of them have improved considerably. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how it's going to go. And, you know, that's not to say that Kamara Usman would finish Leon Edwards, but when, when I see Nate, you know, Nate, Diaz has never been a big knockout puncher. Like he's he's ne- he's never been that guy. He's always been the volume guy. So uh, I don't know. It's 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 just it's a, it's a rough one for Edwards because he I think he does get the 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 Diaz shine as far as you know pe- people knowing him. But people are gonna probably remember that fifth round, uh, and and a lot of people will just overlook all the mm-hmm. amazing work he did in the first four. Yeah, I, like I think if that fifth round say had happened in the third, if Leon Edwards had come through it cut Nate Diaz and it would it looked a bit more like a war you know if, if that had happened say in the third round rather than it just happened in the fifth round or like oh he would have finished and he got through it you know if he got through it won the round after it cut him up made you know it would have I think people would be thinking all oh, right Nate Diaz he's a tough fucker but look Dean Edwards you know he went in there and he had a war with him but it was just unfortunate that way I think there's just always an asterisk yeah. with Leon Edwards like and it's not his fault it's but, like it's not it's not his fault I, I don't think there was necessarily that last night someone actually texted me and made a good point to me last night that Leon, for, for okay from purely Leon Edwards's point of view but like if you're if you're an up and coming fighter or any fighter who like Leon Edwards, he's lost okay, he's lost what one or two fights, but he's been dominant for most of his career, and especially at a higher level. When you meet someone, let's say even like the guys coming through, like in Irish MMA, we'd be talking about Ian Gary and Paul Hughes and stuff in the in the in the coming weeks. But like you reach a stage, right, where you're fighting guys who are as good as you, or maybe if you're the be- very best in the world, maybe like ninety five percent as good as you, right? And they're going to push you to a point where you've never been pushed before. And some people will wilt at that point and some people will get through it. And I think last night, look, I don't, I'm not saying Nate Diaz is 95% good as Leon Edwards or anything like that. But he did push him to that point where he was almost finished. And Leon Edwards had the ability and he showed the ability that he can gut that out and he can get through it. And that to me is a big thing. You know, that is a big, big thing, because if he gets in those positions against the Usman, he can say, well, I was in that position. It doesn't matter who it was against. Okay, Nate Diaz is not a good fighter as Usman, no doubt about that. But this, the point still stands. You're in that tough position. You're able to get through it and move on. And I think going forward for Leon Edwards, he's kind of proved that to himself, but he's proved that to everyone else as well. And it mightn't be the the big takeaway from the fight last night for most people, but I think for Edwards and for, uh, you know, people in the know and probably people looking at Edwards going forward, I think it could be a big thing. But, uh, yeah, it's look. I I would really really like to see the Usman fight because I, I think look you can look I, at I Usman a lot. Yeah, I think regardless, he, I think he does. Fight, I think he deserves yeah. it. Uh, look, the thing is, there it looks like they're giving Covington the title shot. I don't think he deserves it more than Leon Edwards, no. to be honest. I, I just, I don't know. And I, look, I'm a big fan of Covington's style. I think, look, he's a dickhead, obviously, outside of the cage. But in the cage, he's a brilliant, brilliant fighter. And I think that Usman fight would be very different the second time. I think Usman would actually probably win it more clearly the second time. But I think, I, I, I don't think either of them fought their best uh, fight in the first fight. But I do think Usman is fighting a more strike-heavy uh, display these days than he normally would. Now against Edwards that might be a little bit different, but Edwards is no slouch on the ground either, but I think if that, that as a kickboxer match Edwards reminds me a little bit of Jan Blahovic in terms of like, it's hard to see what he does well, but he does it very well, you know, he's always kind of dominating yeah. people on the on the, the floor without, or on the, uh, uh, in the standing without making it look too amazing um, and against Usman that could be very interesting, That'd be, that's a real fight I really want to see again, you know and, Yeah, uh, I'd love to see them exchange in the feed, because I think Edwards is the superior striker technically, but that doesn't necessarily mean he'll win. Like I would have said, like Jorge Masvidal has better hands mm-hmm. than um, than Usman, but you know we also had that played out. So uh, I, I it's, think, it's, I don't know. I, 
fucking cool. Smell is pretty good. Like I think I, I think Edwards he, is a better yeah, all around. He's definitely improved as well since he's gone to Trevor Whitman. He's he's yeah. significantly improved and, and his jab and yeah. is phenomenal. But he doesn't have the same. I, I don't think. I personally don't think he has the same array of, in his arsenal than, say, like Indian Edwards or or, or does. But mm-hmm. it, you don't need to to win. <laughs> so that's true. that's true. I'm looking forward to that anyway. Look, uh, Nate, as we said, Nate versus Connor. If Connor loses, I think that that's the fight that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think Nate versus just goes Nate to show you can have all the championships, you can have the the biggest win streak Very going, tense. but none of it matters unless people want to watch you fight and, uh, and Nate Diaz has that in spades absolutely and he still has it uh, so yeah um, the the rest of the card in Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maya uh, you know not the best fight in the world the, I couldn't understand why Damian Maya kept getting a single leg in the middle of the cage and didn't once try to sweep the back leg of Bilal Muhammad just constantly I was like sweep the leg you know it was, it was the most one of the most frustrating fights and look Damian Maya He's a very good fighter, but I think this fight kind of played out how we predicted, and when we get to the next fight, it didn't play out how I predicted, but um, I think Bilal just kind of picked him off a little bit on the feed when uh, um, Bilal was able to stop the initial few takedowns, kind of whether that early Damien Maya storm, it was one of those fights where you kind of half stop watching it, you know, it was like, ugh. This fight yeah, it is wasn't just, great. No. I don't think it did Bilal Muhammad any favor. I suppose like any time you're facing Damian Maya though, like it's they're never going to be the most just entertaining so fights. It's it, yeah, it's just a case of getting through it. But um, yeah, I thought like I can't remember. I, I think actually I, I set an alarm to get up for the fights. Uh, so I, I missed the first half of the first round. But uh, it looked like Maya was going to have an, a, a decent amount of success. But then it's literally as soon as uh, you know, it seemed Muhammad was a bit nervous maybe in the first round. But once he kind of overcame that he just started to grow into the fight and, and yeah. just pick Maya off on the feast I for think, the rest of the fight I think that's a very fair assessment I, I maybe not maybe more careful than anything else in the in the first minute but yeah I think that's a fair assessment exactly what happened but um, <laughs> Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill um, <laughs> this, uh, this was uh, God almighty fucking disgusting God Jesus was, Christ I, so I, I tweeted before I think Jamal Hill will be UFC champion I think he'll finish Paul Craig early ESPN happened to put it up on the TV screen just just as the fight started and about fucking <laughs> two minutes later Jamal Hill was leaving looking like fucking Nick Newell like it was Jesus almighty Jesus Christ he was like in fairness what do you want what do oh, it was horrible it was oh, fucking man. horrible you, mean, you heard my reaction yeah <laughs> I did yeah I'm watching it again here right now. This is disgusting. Oh, it, it was look. It was one of those arm bars where arm bar. He's like the wacky inflatable arm man. It was wacky inflatable. What is it? Wacky inflatable. Oh. Wacky inflatable arm man from Family Guy. Oh yeah, wacky you know inflatable arm playing tube man. Wacky inflatable arm playing tube man. Wacky inflatable arm playing tube <laughs> Yes, it was. Well, actually, was a bit. The, the weird thing as well about Paul Craig is it's this fucking shoulder lock. He just gets lads. He if you can if you can get near him. Or if Paul Craig can get near you, he's just fucking catching that arm stand and pulling guard and just catching you in there and you can't do nothing. He was dragging the shit out of that arm before he even got near an arm bar, before like he got near putting the legs around him or anything. He was just cranking on it. Like that position that Paul Craig gets in is one of the fucking toughest positions in all of MMA to get out of. It's it's actually in, it's insane. Like Paul Craig, so, we, we had this chat a while back about like... Um, people who stick to kind of one thing and that's dying a lot and this is not just like oh jujitsu doesn't work or anything like this this is one single part of like and it's not even jujitsu necessarily I think it's more catch wrestling and stuff like that but the, the ground game whatever it might be he just has this one position where he is just an absolute fucking demon in, and which he will just rip your fucking arm to shreds, and there's nothing you can do about it. Once he gets you in that position, you might get out once. If he gets you in there again, if he can show he can get you in there once, and he can get you in there again, you're fucked. You are really are fucked. It's just such a dangerous position. And all credit to Paul Craig, you know, he's... Like, it's it's... Lots of people have this, but the ability to get people into that danger zone. Look at look at Damian Maya. He couldn't do it, Muhammad. He couldn't get him into the danger zone. Paul Craig did it within fucking a minute of the fight nearly. And uh he just you know, he went home with a fucking extra arm because of it and it was it was insane. What what did you think of the uh 
the finish. I, I don't know. Like I, I was watching the finish and I was like, oh, you know, it, it was okay. I, I it just kind of happened worse, before but, you could even figure out yeah. what was going on. It was just like, oh, oh, he's got him here, and there's his arm completely snapped or well dislocated. Um, it was very impressive. Like Paul Craig is is putting on. He, what, what's that one like five fights now in a row he's won or, or I think he had a, there was a draw in there with Shogun in one of those but like it wasn't it doesn't seem like it was that long ago where you know he was having a very lacklustre UFC career and like on the verge of getting cut um, but he always just seems to pull it out of the bag like he every time whether it's a, a last second last gasp uh triangle after getting dominated for three rounds um he just oh he seems to just find a way to win mm-hmm. um and like i picked jamal hill to come in here and, and get the ko and he's he, he'll just just put an end to that from the very start of the fight like it was it was an easy night at the office room when it yeah. really probably shouldn't have been yeah and I, like i still think jamal hill will be obviously heavy, line heavyweight champion about it. i still think he's very good but like if he comes up against paul craig and he's gonna have to mind himself you know because this was uh this was devastating and look i, I look for the for the stoppage for me right a lot of people criticizing the referee and the, when there is local referees and ariel made the point last night over on twitter i think and i always make the point myself as well that it's the best look whether it's a judge whether it's um a referee i think the best people in the world should be put in those spots and people can still make it into those spots like someone like a brian minor fantastic referee and judge he is referee that's smaller shows you know make your way up get to if you're on this side of the world you know a ksw or a cage warriors or get into you know maybe an invicta or an lfa over in america and then make your way to bellator and in the ufc you know that's that's the way to do it not just because you're from an area being put into that job now the finishing is that that's that point made I think this was a very fucking tough spot. Now, if look, if it was Mark Goddard in the spot, if it was Big John McCarthy, if it was a Keith Peterson or someone like that, now maybe they would have stopped it when they when they saw the broken arm. But the problem is, when the arm looked like it was broken, Jamal Hill was still punching and fucking hitting Paul Craig hard with his other arm. Like, yeah, really I'm, I'm watching it back here again. It looks like like his arm's just flapping around, yeah. but it almost looks like he's punching Craig it with does, his yeah. with the trapped arm. <laughs> so like, it, it like I imagine it's quite hard to see that. And then you're also like the referee's probably watching Craig like smashing him with uh, with punches and strikes to the head, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, like do I need to stop this? And maybe not seeing the arm just flailing around. Um, it was a tough one. Look, I'm glad to hear it was a, it was a dislocation rather than a break. Yeah. So not quite as bad as we originally thought. But like Jesus, it was weird to watch. Yeah, I, I think we need yeah. to. I think we need to give the referee a little bit of leeway here. Like, should he have stopped yeah. it when the arm looked like it? He got dislocated. Yes, he he should have. But at that exact moment. When Jamal Hill is fucking smashing him with punches, it's very hard to fucking stop a fight at that point. He's going to look like a fucking mug if he's absent. No, he might look like a mug 10 seconds later when we see Jamal Hill. Just see Jamal Hill when, like, they were raising the arms of Paul Craig and he, like, lifts his arm down it just falls away to one side for, like, one second. Like, oh, Jesus. Horrible. I'd say all Craig's uh, students will be doing their homework this weekend anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah they fucking will. <laughs> Stroll into the classroom and put, press play. Like, right <laughs> who, who wants to step out of line today lads yeah, indeed indeed um the the prelims then the 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 middle prelim card three decisions one split um lauren murphy joanne calderwood i think you know if any fight was going to be a split decision this fight was going to be a split decision um let me just look at my notes here a very close first round if i'm not mistaken i happen to not have notes have i somehow I don't know where they're gone. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think it was the first round that was very close. It was, yeah. Lauren Murphy won the second round. And I think Calderwood won the third round. Look, Lauren Murphy puts herself in a position now to uh, to fight for the, the title. I th- Look, I thought... I, I thought this was the right decision. I thought Lauren Murphy did win it. The strike stats say different. Strike stats are bullshit as well, let me uh, add here. I just think the effect... That Lauren Murphy strikes were having in that first round where Joanne Calderwood's face was like reddening up. That I think that was the difference. I think Joanne was like landing some nice kicks to the leg and stuff like that, but nothing of effect, nothing of impact at all. And there's, you know, you can probably take away 20 of those strikes just because they're nothing kind of leg touches, to be honest. Um, 
and I just think Lauren was landing a little bit harder. If you had scored her for Calderwood, I wouldn't disagree with you. If anyone who says that first round isn't close is is just fucking telling on themselves, basically. It was a very, no, very sure. close it's round. It's impossible to score these fights with this uh, shitty boxing system we have yeah, in place oh, anyway. God so. almighty. Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus. I was honestly... Uh, oh, I was very close to calling Joe Rogan a cunt on Twitter last night. I was uh, That's how close I was, honestly. That I, I, man. Somehow I don't think he'd be the first person. <laughs> Did you see someone yesterday had like a plane flying with Joe Rogan is literally five foot three over Los Angeles? <laughs> was that, yeah. Someone, do you know those planes? You can get like a message on the back of them and someone had one yeah. and Joe Rogan is literally five foot three. So, uh, yeah. It was, that was, that was <laughs> is fantastic. He? No, he's not, but that even makes it better. <laughs> Fantastic, uh, but uh, oh, and but the commentary last night, uh, leave the judging aside. I thought it was much better, especially the Moreno fight. I was so glad it was Paul Craig there. It was such like an emotional, beautiful moment for Brandon Moreno. And Jesus, he, he did well to be snapping an arm and commentating at the same time. Uh, sorry, Paul. What did Paul Felder? Sorry, <laughs> Paul Felder. Know you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Ireland, Scotland, sort of very similar. But uh, it was great not to have DC there to be honest, and that's the top man of it. He's he makes moments like that worse and Paul Craig or Paul I did it again Paul Felder makes it uh, made it better to be honest I think he's a very very good commentator and uh, I, the, if you want a third man in the boot and I've said this for a long while it's not just uh, my NTDC fucking agenda which I, I absolutely have I think Paul Felder is the best but uh, anyway um the, the other fights are running through him very, very quickly because we've other stuff to cover as well. Brad Riddell, Drew Dober, a fantastic fight. I don't know if that one fight at night, but I think it it probably uh, it probably should have. That was a uh, let me just go down here. It did actually very, very good performance. Um, Brad Riddell looked in a bad shape early, but came back and managed to win the unanimous decision, which is a great judging decision as well. Like that, uh, Eric Anders. Darren Stewart's, um, no, you know, it wasn't a bad fight necessarily. Good, uh, good win by Anders. Uh, Ivolev looked absolutely fantastic, beating Hakim Daudu. Although Daudu had a good round in there as well, so you know he comes out of that looking uh, looking good as well. I think, but uh, Ivolev, I think, could be a future champion. Very good. Uh, Penny Kinzad against Alexis Davis went to unanimous decision, and Kinzad won that. Uh, Terence McKinney got a nice KO over Matt Favola oh, after seven seconds, just a one-two right down the middle, and in fucking jumped off the cage twisted his knee looks like his fucking MCL has gone or something I'm no physio but um, yeah and then there was three decisions to open it up as well Chase Hooper just looking terrible yet again against Steven Peterson in a fight that should, has no business being on the UFC I thought it was awful uh, Faris ZM Luigi Vindarami and uh, Felipe uh, beat Collier as well in the heavyweight big boys to start big, off big boys throwing some leather some leather let's Let's, let's throw some, some leather ball. We have uh, we have coming up soon, but we'll talk about that uh, next shout week. Out, shout out, Hal! Shout out, Hal! Let's talk a little bit about PFL four and uh, Bellator as well here quickly. So I'll just run through some of the results on PFL four. Uh, Chris Wade uh, got a nice uh, head kick and punches KO here uh, to kick off the card. Shaman Morris bouncing back from losing to uh, Brendan Lockman uh, got a good uh, good win here as well. Olivia Auburn Mercier uh, got a lovely win. There was a beautiful knockout for Lyak Ranzimov against Ahmad Ilayev who uh, has a very good record as well. Nathan Schultz bounced back from his loss. The, the two-time PFL champion if I'm not mistaken Bubba Jenkins got a good win against Bobby Moffat that clay collar Jewelton Luderback was a good uh, it was a split decision uh, actually I'm just looking at here and he was one of those fights that was very close uh, but a good performance again by uh, by clay and a good performance by Jewelton as well the, the Brazilian German but uh, the, the two main fights for us uh, Brendan Lachnan Brendan Lachnan against uh uh, I was going to say Brendan Lachnan against Clarissa Shields, but Brendan Lachnan against Tyler Diamond. <laughs> That'd be some fight. And Clarissa Shields against uh, Brittany Elkin. Uh, Lachnan, he uh, he looked absolutely fantastic again. You know, won in round one with kicks, uh, won round two, 10-8 on my card. And won, I thought he won round three too, but La- Diamond landed some nice strikes uh, on top. Uh, there was one 28-28 card in here, which I didn't think was was great, to be honest. Uh, but Brendan Lachnan, again, he's one of those guys where he's just such a sharp, um, you know, kind of good guy to watch. You know, he's a very good fighter, very exciting, and there's always... If, if you're a fan of, like, a 
smart technical fighters who also can hit pretty hard who can finish people as well uh or being like exciting fights like this i think brendan lachnan is a man for you you, you impressed again by uh by yeah brendan it's very time? very impressed he was it was it was a war well it was a war at the same time as it was Brennan O'Klain just kicking yeah. the shit out of Tyler Diamond mm-hmm. <laughs> like there was a few moments of adversity that up kick I think he got kind of wobbled a little bit with it and uh, yeah that round two I, I had a 10 as well like I thought he just beat the shit out of Diamond to be honest um, but yeah always always a, a pleasure to watch, watch Brennan O'Klain fight and it just shows to go goes to show once again, why Dana White is a fucking idiot. Yeah, he is. Yeah, just lad him in the UFC at the moment. Uh, Clarissa Shields. Uh, it was it, look. It was a, It was an interesting one. I think the one thing, and I tweeted almost immediately. I think once the fight started, Clarissa Shields was look. She was getting dominated. She was getting taken down. But she showed such a calm and such a poise that you couldn't help but be impressed. Like even if she had lost that fight, you're you're thinking like. She to me, do you know what it looked like to me? It looked like she had gone to Greg Jackson's gym. She had been in there with you know Holly Holm or whoever else it might be there, and she was like, "Take me down, put me on my back. I want to see how this works. I want to see if I can deal with it." She looked like she had done nothing but spend time on her back for the last while. No, she wasn't great at getting out there. She couldn't do much when she was there. But she looked comfortable there. You know, she didn't panic. And that's that's the issue. Like, if you put fucking Fly Mayweather in there, he's going to panic. He's going to get submitted. He's going to get, you know, TKO'd in that position. Or most boxers. But Clarissa Shields had, I thought, clearly put in the time on the ground. You couldn't... I don't think it's possible to be that calm and cool and composed on the ground without putting in that time. Now, having said that, the, the, the skills weren't there... She wasn't able to land almost any strikes through the first two rounds. Elkin did a good job of taking her down, but she kind of threw it away a little bit. I think she could have, op- not necessarily opened up a little bit more, but um, a head and arm choke or something like that, where you're not giving up the position, like going for the armbar like she did, so Shields can kind of push you out uh, and, and get away. I think that was what was missing for Elkin. The, the third round she attempted to get in on the leg she'll just land on top of her she was good heavy on top and landed some vicious ground and bound it was one of those stoppages where the referee if he'd stopped it I think maybe 15 seconds earlier it would have been like oh you know she's landing shots but I think Elkin is kind of in on the leg but she just took too many shots and the, the stoppage was a good one I think but overall like I want to see Clarissa Shields fight again I want to see if she can improve I want to see if she can stuff a few more takedowns and I want to see a bit more of her striking to be honest and uh I'm looking forward yeah. to it. It was, it, it was, I, it was I, impressive while looked, being, you know, not great at the same time. Yeah, I mean, like, fair play to her for crossing over. Like, she's she's at the prime of her career. Like, she's only 26, you know, boxing champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, and just completely um, starting again, essentially. Like, completely out of her depth um, in, in MMA, but willing to give it a go and willing to try. And there were, you know, obviously she got mounted for the better part of two rounds, but there were, I, I thought there was a few, especially early on, there were a few moments when, you know, they were up against the cage, she got the underhook. Like there was, there were signs that she, she has the tools there to learn. Um, and of course she does. She's, you know, the two-time Olympic champion. Um, you're going to have, you know, she'll, she'll, she will improve. Um but yeah, I, I thought like I saw a lot of people kind of giving her shit, but I'm pretty sure she fought the same. Like Brittany Elkins was uh, Kayla Harrison's first fight as well, and um, you know, like this is a a more than appropriate matchup for your first ever MMA fight. Um, there, as you said, there was you know when she when she was mounted, she was kind of do trying to do that. Uh, it looked like she was trying, you know, you know that, that wrestlers used to do where they jump from their back to their feet. <laughs> it kind of looked like she was trying to do that to just get out of it, which really wasn't working for her. But you know, she learned techniques and maneuvers in time, and um, really her power just kind of won it for her. Once she was able to land some strikes from from the ground, and that was all she wrote. So uh, yeah, good. And as you said, like coming through adversity, like to be mounted for almost two rounds, maybe not a full two rounds, but a, a large part of the fight. Um, and to still be able to put it out and get the win, um, that's that's a really positive sign. Yeah, and I, like I think you can get a long way in in MMA, especially the the women's one hundred and fifty five pound division, with a, a really good poise 
a really good athletic base and big power in your hands. You know, you can get a long way. So I'm looking forward to see. Uh, yeah. But she was able to get into range as well. Like she was really, you know, the hand yes, speed, yeah. she was cracking. So like once she learns to kind of be able to to move between ranges, um, she'll be a real problem once she can get inside. There was a big height difference and, and, and reach difference, I thought, as well. So yeah. probably didn't uh, didn't help her. Yeah, 100%. Uh, didn't we hit Bellator 260? Look, not the... Uh, not the most exciting card in the world. Um, Marina Mukhanahina being Amanda Bell, I thought was a, a standout performance. Uh, won the unanimous decision there. There was a beautiful anaconda choke uh, from Lucas Brennan uh, as well. Bobby King, Nick Newell, who I mentioned earlier. It was a fun fight. It was a very, very fun fight, I thought. Um, uh, Bobby King ended up winning it, but Nick Newell, you know, did himself proud as he always does. He's sixteen and four now record, and uh, you know, uh, a good, a good fight there. Uh, but this main main card was just lots of wrestling, lots of decisions. A good win from Mark Liminger against Demarcus Jackson to open it up. Aaron Peak although looked very very good. Um, some lovely takedowns, and he broke Aiden Lee. You know, it was one of those fights where. Aiden Lee just had no answer for him. There was nothing he could do. Uh, and Aaron Pico absolutely broke him. Ended up getting another Anaconda choke here. Uh, and a beautiful, beautiful finish from, from Aaron Pico. What, what do you think? What do you see for Aaron Pico now? He's 8-3 in his career. has kind of come through that career, I suppose, uh, tough time where he lost, you know, he lost, what, two fights in a row to Adam Barrocks and Henry Corrales, which was kind of mad matchmaking when you think about it after fucking five fights. But he's won, what, four in a row now uh, against four good guys. I think it's time for a push. I think, I tweeted out, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Mads Burnell next. I think that'd be a fun fight. What, what do you think yeah. of that, Aaron Pico? Pedro, Pedro Carvalho would be a good fight too. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad one at all, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but... um, Yeah, yeah I think it's I think it's time. Like, you know, he's, he's kind of had that rebuild now and it's time to push on towards the upper echelon of the division. Um, They rushed him early early in his career it was too much too soon but um he's shown that he's he's made improvements and uh, he's bounced back and and he's winning um so you know he's, he's a lot more mature now than he would have been a couple of years ago as far as his his, his career um and yeah now like now is the time when they, they're doing they're they're moving him along now the way they should have been at the very start 100%, um, yeah. so yeah continue continue as you ha- as they have been match him um and i think he'll he'll be fine mm-hmm. I'm just looking, uh, just a random one there. Um, mm-hmm. I see. Just you may. I didn't. I didn't actually watch the fight at all. Um, but that first one. Uh, what, what's her name again? That beat Amanda Bell. Uh, sorry, uh, one second. Uh, um, her name is very hard to say. Yeah, Marina Mucknatina or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, match her with Liam McCourt immediately. I would say. Oh, it's a tough fight for Leah. I think she's she's not bad. But well, maybe. it's either that or it's the the, the likes of Cyborg and point, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. so, so like there's a big you know that's a, that, that's the reason why I'm saying is there's a big gap between the top and the bottom of that division and yeah. um not yeah. a bad show yeah that is not a bad show in fairness yeah I wouldn't mind seeing it it'd be a fun fight but uh, yeah um. The top two fights in here, I'm going to do my analysis for both of these fights because they're both the exact fucking same. Uh, Amasov defeated Lima in the main event for £170 title uh, and then £175. Jason Jackson defeated Paul Daly. Basically takedowns, basically kickboxer being unable to stop takedowns and having no answer for it. And it was just rinse and repeat for three rounds in the co-main event and five rounds in the main event. I I thought it was very smart from... Uh, Jackson, I, look, I think why put yourself in peril against Paul Daly when there's such a clear, easy route to victory? And for Amasov, like I thought the, the bits that were on the feet, Amasov was landing a better Lima shot. Absolutely nodding. There was just there was just nothing coming back from Lima. I thought it was extremely poor. Uh, a very bad performance. Let his title go with an absolute whimper, I think, here. Um, I think it might be an in for him in Bellator. I think I could see him coming to the UFC next and having a few fun fights over there. And, you know, maybe not having the title would be a benefit to him. But, you know, he um, he could have been a double champion in his last fight. Now he's no belts. But Amasov is, uh, is a big problem. Very good on the, f- on the ground, but good on the feet as well. Um, and him versus Jason Jackson, I think, makes a lot of sense next. Uh, especially after how Jason Jackson fought at the weekend. Like, not the most exciting fight in the world. And a, a tough watch, those two, uh, those top two fights. But, uh, you know, MVP is in there as well. But he'll probably fight someone who's like four and seven in his next fight. Uh, and uh, maybe didn't get a title shot in like 2028 but um, yeah look a good performance from Ambasov a good performance from Jackson but uh, nothing to write home about Um, 
Then next week, Andrew, we have um, sneaky PFL. good cards. There is a sneaky good card. PFL first. I, I, maybe people won't like this fight too much, but I've, I've an awful affinity for uh, Glesson Thibault versus Rory McDonald. I think that's a very, very good. Uh, not maybe not a very good fight, but I think that'll be a fun fight too. Kind of hardy boys gone in there. Uh, Ray Cooper is back on this card as well. Dan Spawn against Emmanuel Sardi. Uh, Vinny Magalesh versus uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Chris Camozzi. Your, your boy Chris Camozzi. Yeah, he's back here. Is Tom Lawler on this card? He is. He's on this card against Jordan Young. Megamed Megamed Kerimov is on this card as well against Curtis Melinder. This is another sneaky good card as well from from PFL who've been putting on some good stuff lately. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Plus the UFC as you mentioned there, uh, Chan Sung Jung in the main event against Dan Iga, which I think is a fantastic fight. Alexi Olnik versus Sergey Spivak. Tim Means against Danny Roberts, not bad. Marlon Vera against Davy Grant, that's a good that's fight. That's a banger. Yeah, I like that fight a lot. Um, Matt Brown is on this card against Diego Lima, who is. You know, Douglas did manage to get out of his shadow at the weekend. Julian Rosa's on this card. Rich Glynn against Joachim Silva. Casey O'Neill, Ireland's own. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a pretty good card from from top to bottom. Well, just two fights. Davy Grant. This is a big opportunity for Davy Grant, isn't it? Against uh, against Marlon Vera. He's been doing really well recently, and Cheeto is Cheeto is beatable, isn't he? I think this could be a fight that uh, if Davy can win it, it could be a big thing for his career, isn't it? Yeah, Davey's had a, a great kind of last two years and a beautiful knockout in the la- in his last fight. And uh, you know, Marlon was it last was it Vera's last fight that he was up against Sean O'Malley. Um, Did he have one again? No, was that? I'll have a look. Hold on. Man, I can't remember. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, no, Josie. Yeah, I thought he fought last. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like it, it's a big it's a big spot for uh, for Davey Grant and uh, yeah, definitely a winnable fight. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it so, is a tough well. tough fight now, but uh, but it's you know. There's, there's hope there. Yeah, there I, I think this Chan Sung Jung versus Dan Iga fight is, is a very good one. I think Iga, I think he's a very good technical striker, but there's only so much technical striking you can do against someone like a Chan Sung Jung, you know, when he's coming at you and when he's, you know, eating all those shots and coming back with a, a lot more. You know, we talked about Leon Edwards in the fifth round of that fight and showing his ability to come through um, a tough spot. You know, a really tough spot. I look, uh, and Ige's got some early knockouts here uh, in the last while, so maybe he'll be able to get another one. But if he's not, and if he does find himself in those tough spots, this will be a fight where there's a lot proved in this fight. You know, if he can come through against Korean Zombie, I think he's right up there towards the top of the division. I'm a big fan of Ige, but um, you know, I wouldn't rule the Korean Zombie out here at all. I think he has a great chance, and I think. You know, this could be this could be a one where there's a lot of heavy leather exchange between the two of them. How, how would you see it? Yeah, uh, I agree. That, that, is that it? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I believe it. No, yeah, no. It's it's you know it's it's uh, it's one of those. It's gonna be it's it's um. And a, a contender will emerge from this fight, so um, I don't really know how to call it, if I'm honest. So um, yeah, looking it, forward to seeing it, it. I think it is one of those where we're just going to show up and it's going to be fun, and that's that. Yeah, you know? so yeah, fair, yeah. Fair it'll be spun from bell to bell. It will, it will indeed. Right, Andrew, thank you very much. Happy birthday as well. I hope you had a great Thanks weekend. Very much. That cake looked absolutely delicious. It's not a deluxe bakery, oh, it's good. Yet, but it's, it's okay. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, uh, follow follow Andy over what Andy Ste one two three on Twitter. Um, you can follow me Sean Sheehan BA if you want to sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast uh, there's lots of stuff going up there over the next while there's a f- interview actually Ian O'Neill has in the books coming up uh, in the next couple of days with Miles Price who um is has been absent from MMA for a while and he explains why and uh, talks about his comeback and stuff like that. So check that out. Uh, it's coming up over the next couple of days. That one now. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. It seems like a decade ago that he'd be Queely, isn't it? It does, yeah. It seems like a long time. So interesting interview with, uh, with Ian and Miles Price. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week. Believe you can, and you're halfway there. We'll see you next Tuesday, or probably Sunday.